My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. never was a drummer. In fact, never was a musician, as I've stated many, many times. Just a singer, doing what I could do from the day I was born, just for longer spans of time and louder. If you have kids, just give them a microphone, turn them loose. That's pretty much the extent of me learning to do what I do. The art of drumming, or playing any instrument really, it just never really hit me. I never needed to play. I eventually needed to draw, I needed to write, and sometime down the road I needed to be able to sing. But when I was a kid and everyone was learning to play guitar or piano or drums, nah. I was happy to just yell. A lot. No further musical compulsion. Never was a drummer, but I think, given the luxury of looking back, I can forgive myself for that. Drumming was a mystery to me. I could understand a person learning to play guitar or bass or whatever, but... Learning to do four different things, one for each limb? No, no. In defense of me, I was kind of surrounded by a difficult bar to reach, okay? I think we can all let it slide that I didn't learn to do this magical thing. As a quick side note, I also give my brother Jason Cooksey all the credit in the world because he actually taught himself how to drum, and I didn't think that was even possible, as you will hear later. Here's the thing. I have never, in all the years of being in bands... I've never been in a band with a bad drummer. In fact, I've never even been in a band with a good drummer. Sam West, who drummed for Stavesacre for most of our existence, bonafide ninja. I mean, even during the short time he wasn't with us, we still had Jeremy Moffat. We had Matt Johnson, a phenom in his own right. And once upon a time, the great Mr. Clint Stapleton. Even our stand-ins, all excellent drummers. But before all of that, my very first experience of being in a band was to play with a guy who was born to play the drums, Jim Chaffin. That's right, my guest tonight, Jim Chaffin, legendary drummer of The Crucified. Jim was the first drummer I ever played with, the first drummer I ever met. Sit there for a second and think about that. I had Bruce Fitzhugh on the show a few episodes back. He plays with a guy uh, in Living Sacrifice named Lance Garvin, as I'm sure you know. Anyone familiar with that band knows that Lance is an absolute freak, but I will say, and pardon me, Lance, while I put words in your mouth, I'd be willing to bet that Lance counts Jim as one of his influences, and that is saying something. Now, I've known Jim longer than any person I've known in rock and roll, okay? I knew him before I knew rock and roll. When I first started hanging around with all these Christian kids at Madera High, he was one of the first people to engage me, old Rainbow, right there in the mall. That was our little eating area in high school. He was older than me, cooler than me, and absolutely one of the single biggest gifts I ever received in terms of friendship. And somehow, after all that has transpired, I still count him as one. He is my friend. Now, The Crucified is a lot of ground to cover. And we started, how we ended, what happened in the middle, it's just a lot. For the next two episodes of Never Was, we're going to start chipping away at it, but as you'll hear, it is not easy, okay? There's a lot of history there. Some good, some not so good some victorious, and some downright painful. Listen, you're going to have to allow me a little context here. When the Crucified formed, the world was a lot bigger and a lot different. But mostly, it was lousy for Christian kids who wanted to listen to punk rock, 
that was about Jesus or played by Christian people or whatever. It just wasn't our time. I mean, when your friends at school are listening to... And... Or even... Or the punks in Big Scary Fresno were listening to... Hard to play them this. Or this. I gone through so much other stuff than walking down the aisle was tough, but now I know it's not enough. I want to be a I asked the Lord into my heart, they said that was the way to start, but now you've got to play the part. without getting your ass kicked or at least without getting laughed out of the room okay no offense to undercover or steve taylor who in fairness to them they were just doing what they did they weren't the answers to the punk rock we were listening to you know that wasn't their job so we made it ours we wanted to try to find our own answer you know and that's where this will begin like i said there's a lot to cover way more than a couple hours of my dumb ass are ever gonna mine out okay I'm going to succeed mostly in missing some of it. (laughs) But, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You can take that to the bank, kids. So, dear Never Wases, it is my great honor and privilege to introduce to you my friend and one of my very first heroes, Jim Chaffin. But first... Well, well, well. Would you look at who showed up in the Patreon inbox? Jamie Telosa. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have a hooker. Man, oh man. I think I'm going to need to uh, interview a couple more go-to-hook dudes. Also, cryptically named Aaron. Very mysterious. And uh, Joshua. Oh, this is tricky. Joshua Dub. Dubé. Doobie. Doobie doobie doo. I have no idea how you pronounce your name, Josh. We're going to call you Joshua D. All three of these lovely folks have dropped a few bucks in the Patreon tip jar. Thank you. And Jamie, all I can say about that is, Hey everyone, if you'd be so kind as to visit whitepeachpottery.com and get yourselves some beautiful handmade goods, I'd feel a lot less weird about one of my interviewees dropping some love on the show. For the record, Sally Grayson guest a couple episodes ago is also a contributor so that's kind of awesome right let's see if you'd like to do the same please click on the patreon link um on the show page drop us a buck or two whatever you can we appreciate it all right let's get on with it
So should I care that maybe somebody doesn't know what we're talking about? Inside jokes? No. Uh, Screw just, them. Okay. So they got to catch up. You. It's just, it's just, just me and you. All yeah. right. All right. Cool. So let's, we're going to start at, I don't really ever do this because it's for most people it's super super boring. Okay. But because they've heard it 15 times already. Uh-huh. But hardly anybody knows where we came from. Right. They know where I came from because I can't shut up, but they don't know where you or Greg wrote or, a book. I think it's up there. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Crucified history <laughs> is not a known thing. So I'd like to start like the like when did you decide you wanted to be a drummer? Did you Dude, my are you recording? Yeah, man. Oh. <laughs> I told you. I'm all, should I be honest? <laughs> yes. Oh. When did I become a drum? Oh, man, I was like, I was young, dude. I'd be sitting at home and beating the crap out of pots and pans. I mean, like yeah. your typical, like, you know, like they see, you know, a little kid on the floor beating on <laughs> yeah. Tupperware. I was literally sitting on the floor with wooden spoons hitting Tupperware and stuff. And then, I, and then I'd switch from that to the couch and I would be playing to Queen, uh, um, Van Halen, all this yeah. stuff, you know. And, and uh, my mom actually came home one time and gave me a pair of drumsticks, and it was all over. Oh, nice. But then she didn't like the, crap, the fact that I was beating the crap out of all the furniture. Right. So my neighbor had a drum set, and he would let me come over there and play every once in a while. This is back in Madeira Ranchos? Uh, or I mean Madeira? In yeah, Madeira City, City mm-hmm. Madeira, yeah. And it was not long after... Uh, the Cars' first album came out, okay, which was nineteen seventy something. Wow, seventy eight. I know. I thought always thought they were from the eighties. <laughs> nah. I was like, nope. The first Cars album was like seventy eight, I think maybe. Or, anyway, that was the first album I learned to play like backwards and forwards. Yeah, you know? and then Pat Banatar and and all that kind and of. And you stuff. just so wanted. Young. You just loved playing. You didn't really. It wasn't like you had heard this one drummer and said, I need to do what that guy's doing. You just no, wanted not at all. to bang on stuff. I just wanted to bang on stuff. Yeah. Nice. And I could, you know, and I actually was able to follow the beats and stuff. So I was pretty excited about that. Yeah. You know, so. Like just naturally do, born to do just that. Just naturally See, born to do that. When, when from God, I guess. When my brother, when Jason started playing drums, out, we're out in the ranchos, right. you know, Crucified's already going. I was like. Oh, you can't just decide to play drums. You just can or you can't. And then he taught himself how to play drums. And to me, that was like an amazing achievement because I remember you and Greg both. Greg used to bang on pots and pans too. Greg is is an amazing, he's amazing. He's one of those guys you hate because he can do everything. Well, I mean, we can agree. We hate him. I hate his guts. Yeah. So he obviously knew how to like, don't. That was my first introduction. This is, I mean, years and years later, I'm talking to these guys in bands, you know, oh, you know, we, we had to get a new drummer or whatever. And like, all I can think is, dude, my first freaking drummer was Jim Chaffin. <laughs> That's incredible. Okay. So your That's mom funny. gets you some drumsticks. You're a natural. Um, it's all good. And from that point on, you're, you're, you know, banging out the cars. Yeah. Yeah. And I started playing at a youth group. We had a little... Uh, band me, Kirk Palmer, and uh, I think it was just this friend of mine, Kirk Palmer, and I. And uh, what year are we talking here? Let's in grade uh, school, like oh man, high school yet? No, no, maybe eighth grade, maybe ninth grade, you know, okay. freshman, maybe uh, middle school, maybe. 
I, I can't remember to be honest. And we're, talk, with you. we're talking about Madeira, the city of Madeira's what forty thousand people yeah, at that at the time, time. It was probably twenty five. Yeah, it's now it's like fifty, but yeah, it's probably twenty five at the time. It was pretty small. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you know, Madeira is not the you know you've never heard of anybody who's come out of Madeira, never except for except for us. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. What good thing could come out of Madeira? Uh, but yeah, yeah, we just played at youth group and stuff, and uh, thankfully our, our youth leader let us play and mess around and stuff. And, and that, that youth leader's name was Bob Wade? Bob Wade, yeah. Bob Dude, Wade, yeah. Still contact with him. I've really? actually, we've had a great opportunity to uh, tell each other that, you know, we were sorry for things that happened, which is a whole other story. Okay. Yeah, but that's that's later on down the line, which is a great story. So okay. we're going to get to that, I guess. All right. Yeah. Don't forget. But No, I won't forget that. Well, you know, I, I might forget that. What did I say? I'm writing notes right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so yeah, Barry Bernard, uh, Jeff Eitzen. Jeff Eitzen was the musician at the church at the time. He was a remember. piano player. I remember Barry Bernard, but I don't remember uh, Jeff Eitzen. That name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. This was a little. This was before uh, you were coming to. Uh, yeah, coming there, but uh, yeah. And then it went from there, and then we started jamming. I started jamming with the youth leader, and then we started getting in. I started getting in the undercover, you know, and altar boys and stuff. And then everybody was like, "What is that?" They have earrings. Oh my gosh! Are they Christians? <laughs> Literally, they were saying that. Mm -hmm. And um, I know, man, earrings. Not earrings. Not tattoos. Not even like an earring. An earring yeah. too. Not not yeah. not a In facial piercing. Just an earring. It is. It's 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 a trip. Things have come very far. But I catch myself. You know, I'm a total old man. I'll see mm. pictures of bands going. Is that Christian? What is that? <laughs> From that to, uh, dude, we got to do something heavier than, you know, uh, Sweet Comfort Band mm -hmm. covers. Let's try Sweet, uh, Comfort, Sweet Band. Comfort Band. Man, remember oh, that? Crap. So, yeah. And uh, we were trying to do some stuff. Wayne Stone Cypher was the original guy that we were singing with. Right, right. Uh, and, then, uh, and then Mark Solomon came on the scene, which oh, oh. we didn't know who Mark Solomon was. All we knew was Mark Cooksey. Mm-hmm. So, but before even that, before that, okay, the band is jamming essentially by way of the youth group, right? Correct. It's you, Kirk mm -hmm. Palmer, Kirk Palmer, uh, Greg Manier. Greg Manier is playing, and mm -hmm. and and Wayne Stone Cypher singing. Correct. With a synthesizer bass. Yeah. Uh, Kirk is playing with the synthesizer Kirk's bass. Synthesizer bass. And, yeah, because uh, that was super cool. I told the story of the "I'm Not Afraid of Nuclear War" <laughs> at the end of the song. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't that was out. awesome uh, at the show when he hit it and it didn't make the explosion uh, sound it made the <laughs> weird shizoink noise so um at this time just to keep so people are aware of the peripheral i think i had just started hanging out with you guys at school i didn't okay. i didn't go to the 
youth group, really. Right. I had gone a couple times, but I didn't know anybody, really. And then I heard that you guys were in a band, which to me just seemed completely impossible. And um, I was drawing all the time. And do you remember those pictures that I used to draw for you guys? Oh. Where I basically ripped off Eddie from Iron Maiden. I, re- I remember very, very clearly doing that on a couple shirts, on a couple jackets and stuff like that. And that KGB was still not a name you guys were certain was going to be the name. Well, yeah, because we had to, I mean, we forced, every name had to have a meaning. Of course. It had to have a meaning and it had to have a biblical meaning. Yeah. So we were forcing, we're like, what in the world, KGB? I mean, you know, because there was everything. It was MDC, GBH, DRI. You know, everything was uh, whatever that's called, an acronym or uh-huh. a, a thingamajigger. And, uh, yeah, so we're like, uh, kids and God's blessing. <laughs> that was the only thing we could come mm-hmm. up with. And so I was the biblical scholar. So I've, I scoured the scriptures and found uh, something in there that talked about kids mm-hmm. and God. So, But, yeah, yeah, we were never really satisfied with that. It wasn't really that, that cool. We're talking, this is 85 Right. Um, yeah. 84, 84, 85. And like, where are you hearing punk rock? Like when was the f- the first punk rock band that you heard that made you think like, dude, this is, I want to play this. Man, that's because a good you're growing question. up with the cars and yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Christian wise, well, I loved kiss. Kiss was like my favorite band. So, I mean, you know, there wasn't really anything out there that I could, uh, really get into per se like when, at that time in the 84 85 stuff you know we heard undercover and all that stuff but it was it was gbh mm-hmm. you know dead kennedys mdc angry simones youth brigade and and uh minor threat didn't come along till a little later yeah that was uh, me but, bringing the todd thomas yeah exactly influences into yeah the- which yeah man once we heard DRI oh, yeah. and, and, and Minor Threat, it was all over. I was like, that's what we got to do. Because the only yeah. song that we had, Christian-wise, to go on was God Rules. That was the only thing that was fast. I just was curious where the... Because when I came into the group, it wasn't like you guys had never heard of any punk bands. I was just kind of curious where those bands might have come through, maybe just through high school and stuff. Yeah, I think just high school and... and um, what was that girl's name? There was, that, there was a couple of girls that we we kind of became friends with uh she used to dye my hair all the time and stuff it was some she was she was friends with one of the punk kids at school mm. anyway i heard a lot of stuff through them uh-huh cuz i wouldn't you know i wouldn't buy it because that wasn't very christian right oh yeah so i couldn't listen to that kind of stuff so uh at the oh, time yeah. But yeah you know it's always girls of course totally ruined my life that's <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh as I remember in those days, man, I mean, bands like like uh, uh, Oingo Boingo was so huge oh, yeah. in the in the eighties and stuff. But they Amazing, were, yeah. you know, they were like you didn't know if it was cool to like them or not because a lot of the jock dudes liked them as well, right? You know, but then they were great, so it's like you can't kind of can't help it, you know. It's such a strange difference now, like how punk rock is so part of the. It's on everything. It's just mainstream. It's nothing yeah. new or scary or anything. But back then, all. it was considered so terrifying. Seriously. I oh mean, yeah, it was the it was the Elvis to the fifties. Yeah. You know, p- parents had no idea what to do with it. Yeah. And and what is there now where that that I mean 
I don't even know what it what that is. Of course, I'm one of those parents now. So Al Qaeda. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. <laughs> Never I really heard don't. of them. Are they on Spotify? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have all their records. Just ask. Uh, Never mind. I'm not going to. So anyway, uh, well, yeah. So Wayne doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, and I remember, um, man, I was so scared when I came over to you guys' practice that night at the Palmers. How funny is that? Now that you think about it, I mean, it's like, you know. Terrified, dude. But yeah, we were all terrified, I think, probably. But you guys at least knew each other. I didn't know you guys. I barely knew you except yeah, from high not school. Too well. yeah. And I only really knew you. You drove me to, to my house, you know, because you had that sweet fastback. Mm-mm. That, that VW God Squad ruled. car. You would yeah. take me to, um, to, <laughs> you would pick me up in the ranchos with that car. Like you were the only, the only people who had a car. Right. Like, so, like, wh- when I first got in there, I mean, Greg Meniere standing there with his guitar. I've never said one word to him ever in the history of words. Like, you know, never knew him. I've only gotten 100 in since then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Not a real chatty guy. You know, and Kirk was also, like, very, he just seemed so much more older than I was. I don't know. There was something about Kirk. Was he, was like, he was, like, such a man. He's mature beyond you know? his age. So we all started playing together. I mean, dude, I got it. We got to go into some of this stuff, man. I mean, like the records that I threw in the trash. Oh, man. You stood outside my house in the ranchos with me while we broke all my U2 records and threw them in the trash. (laughs) You too. Can you believe that? (laughs) Oh, I was, Uh, I'm laughing, but I'm at least I was. Mine were kiss records. Oh, man. So, Kings and Satan service. You had to get get rid of those. You got to get rid of that stuff, man. Yeah, man. And then, uh, Girls, I mean, what purpose could a high school <laughs> kid have with a girlfriend? There's definitely not nothing sure. good going to come of that. So you'd probably, you need to be breaking up. Like, dude, I broke up with Therese Christopher. <laughs> wow. Like when we were, when we first all started hanging out because it was just like, but it wasn't you. That was like, that was what they were kind of pushing through the youth group. Like, you know, right. you guys were kind of the more elder Christian guys in the in 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 the youth group and getting us to prioritize ourselves. Prioritize, you know, yes, get sir. Your, get your get your focus, man. And there was like this. There were just so many rules, dude. Remember the, so the, the He Man's Woman Haters? Yeah, He Man Woman Haters. Oh yeah. yeah, we were. Yeah, that was we were kings. <laughs> that was just because we'd been rejected so many times. We hated girls. Because Pretty much. We we're so dorky. We couldn't. Get girls. I'm speaking for myself here. It's like 18 year olds who are the hard, the hardest of the hardcore straight edge, but also not old enough to drink yet. And then, (laughs) yeah, 21 years old. Yeah, I just remember there being so many rules, man. I mean, we grew up in a completely different culture. It would be bad if we went too much further past that first show. Playing that first show at uh, at that church, Grace Grace Community, Community. Mm -hmm. Madera, California. Yes, sir. There's kids outside smoking. Two. Two kids Two smoking. girls outside smoking, and they were friends of the of the band that was headlining. By chance, pastor brings in <laughs> a missionary from out of town to come to the church, and he sees the people out there smoking, and that was the end of that. Oh, yeah. How dare you have people smoking on grounds, at our church when I have a missionary here and stuff. Yeah. And Pastor Brandon is a nice guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. But just things were just different. 
Yeah, I think I, I was. Know. I mean, it's easy to look back on now and make a judgment, but I mean, what do I? I I wasn't in his position at that time. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I it do. Was a trip, and they man. were scared, dude. They were freaking scared because you know what happened, and it it didn't come into my head until I had talked about this with with Billy that night of that show that was supposed to be our first real show as the Crucified. Uh-huh. I remember passing out flyers at at school that day, and I gave one to Paul Burrell. Paul Burrell, and yes. I was like, "Hey, you know, we're gonna play a show uh, Friday night. Do you want to come?" He's like, "No, dude, I'm going to a real punk show." <laughs> I'm like, "Huh, like, dude? Forty Five Graves gonna be in Fresno. We're going to a real punk show, but you have wow. fun with your little Christian rock show." And then Forty Five Grave didn't come to town. Shocker. Show canceled. Yeah. Punk rockers with nowhere to go. Hey, I got this flyer. My goofy Christian friend said something about it. Because, goofy dude, Christian there show. was a ton of people at that thing. Yeah. When that shut got shut down, our first show was a was a success. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and we never played yeah. it. <laughs> we closed the church down. But they were the, he was there. All those guys were there because that show got canceled. And so they he go. He was a fan ever since oh, yeah, then. Dude, huh? was, they traveled with us everywhere. Yeah, he went with us all he over was, the place. He was one of the few that made the pilgrimage to play with GVH. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> In my Chevy Spectrum. Oh my gosh! And in Kurt's big green van. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, that was awesome. Kirk. Kirk. Those days were pretty much. There were marked by a lot of fear. I think. I mean, I think that's a, oh, a yeah, fair yeah, assessment. That's a very fair assessment. Just, yeah, just fear of what you don't know. For myself, uh, just in fear of not pleasing God, fear of uh, him being upset mm-hmm. that I did something wrong and that rapture happened, then where would I be? I remember skits at church. Oh, yeah. Of, of oh, I didn't know. I was at, I was, uh, I can't remember the examples they would use of people doing stuff that yes. you weren't supposed I'm to be there, this. you know, and it's just like. It scared the crap out of you. You're like, dude, I do not want to be looking at a porno magazine. Not that you're supposed to be looking at porn. Right. Or even, you know, listening to secular music when Jesus comes back. When the rapture comes, because then I'll be left behind. When I'll be left behind. Yeah, right? You know, it's just like, what an utterly disgusting view of the nature of God, you know? It's pretty different. And unfortunately, there's a lot of churches out there probably that still go that route. But it's just, it left some scars on me. Yeah. Literally and mentally. Yeah. Uh, but I Deb, the one thing I can remember coming from that is I knew the Bible upside down and backwards. And I mean, this is true. Always reading the Bible, always memorizing scripture. Right. Uh, I remember doing uh, contests. Uh, they had a Bible contests where you had, you know, you had to, they would say first part of a scripture and you jump up and then you, you have to finish the scripture and you have right. to learn like yeah. three or four chapters yeah. and stuff. And, uh, spelling bee style. Yeah. Like spelling bee style. And, and that was, you know, somehow kind of, you know, spiritualizing like, well, you get, you're memorizing the word. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's cause that's all you got to do. Yeah. You just memorize it. And you know, and, uh, yeah, I had it memorized, but, uh, it didn't really, uh, it didn't really sink in deep with the understanding of who God was until mm. a lot later, till life happened. Yeah. You know, that's the interesting. I mean, there's a lot of this that is still super fascinating to me, but especially because I don't get a chance to like look back at, at that time with anybody who was there. 
<laughs> yeah, right, here. right, right, right. But like, till the later days, right? I like to say that time tells all the tales. You know, it's like after ten or twelve years, there's just no way you don't know more than you did when you know before that. Right. It's like we're like these kids, and we're taught this certainty to uh, to go through life with this certainty and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt this is the way things are supposed to be right black and white and, and everything was yeah. so black and white yeah. and and then you know like you said life happens and you're like now what you know and that doesn't fit into my little perfect no. square here and the here. thing that that I think we'll find we find later and I know we've talked about this in the, and we'll get to it but like when reality does hit <laughs> It sucks because you're not only you're not only getting, having to deal with real life problems, but there's a good transitional period for every real life problem that you spend where you spend a significant amount of time pulling your head out of your ass to realize that this is not the way yeah. what I learned isn't applying isn't applying here. So now what? You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I'm on fire. But half my body is burned off before I realize that all I need to do is put the fire out. You right. know what I mean? And like, as life came later, I found that a lot of those things that we had known with such certainty not only didn't apply, but once I realized that I, I had to look at things differently, more damage had been done, you know, mm. or more hurt had been wrought or more opportunities had been missed. Yeah. If that makes any sense to you, but I yeah, feel like yeah. a lot of, cause we, we did grow up in a very specific time frame, you oh, know, yeah. Yeah, and there's was, a lot of people who listen to this show who came from that exact same time frame. Yeah. Youth group is all youth group, man. Youth group was a big, big, big deal, yeah. man. And, and you know, the one thing that I, again, that I appreciate about that is that, I mean, I understood and I learned the basics of Christianity, but it just couldn't stop there. Right, right. It just could not stop there because how are you going to control people? How are you going to get them to do what they know they're supposed to do right? You scare the hell out of them, <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was the error, I think, of that time, you know, was it wasn't that, you know, Jesus was God and that you need to repent of your sins. It was grace is grace is nice and all, and it's good for the beginning, but there's a lot more to this because... You know, you don't want to do this and you don't want to do that. And hmm. God's not going to be happy and you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, that's just the worst thing possible. And they just added, you know, it's so funny because it was totally pharisaical. Yeah. You know, yeah. it still is in a lot of ways. It, people just don't recognize, especially in the United States, but people don't see, see that. They'll read the Bible and they'll go, see these Pharisees. Gosh, dude, look at these Pharisees. They're, they're horrible. I mean, dude, we used to have songs about that. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing, man. You look at or some of our early lyrics. I was just telling somebody, uh, I'm, you know, no name dropping, but I was just talking to Jimmy Brown earlier today and we were talking about lyrics and stuff. I was like, dude, back to the cross. We stopped playing what, it for a reason, man. What a horrible, horrible nature of God view yeah. that was. Yeah. I mean, that was... We stopped playing it for that reason. Yeah. I mean, and, and because <laughs> life happened. Yeah, man. Life happened, you know, and you, you just, that's one of those things you just can't discount. You know, when you're younger, you're thinking, you know, don't look, let anybody look down on your youthfulness. Don't look anybody yeah. down. That's why I'm so, you know. Walking through town okay, with a chip on your shoulder. Right. You know? Yeah. Youth is great and all, but life experience is going to change all that. You yeah. know, it just does, you know. And, uh, yeah, we figured that out, you know, finally, I think that's why some of the 
after, you know, from Pillars on, man, some of the most poetic and just fantastic stuff you've ever written lyrically mm-hmm. was because of all your the life that you all lived, the mistakes the, I had yeah already. and mistakes <laughs> and experiencing how yeah. do you know about god's grace really until you fall flat on your face oh yeah man and then see him standing there with his hand up out you yeah. know saying it's okay just come on let's get up yeah you know, let's go and and because when you don't have that it's all theory up until then you don't really know and you can't empathize and you're pointing your finger at other people, and, and yeah, man, it's just not good. But, hey, life is good, and, and here we are. We've got a second chance, and yeah. now I totally understand everything. <laughs> now I have all the answers, I've got which all is great. Of them. Yeah. talking to Chris White and talking to the, the Japuza people mm-hmm. and getting the interaction going on with with them and the interaction going on with Burrito. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Somehow in there, I don't know who came first. Cornerstone or Biker James? I feel like it was Biker James. Possibly once or twice. Because we played that first show we ever played down there, dude, do you? Oh my god. Remember gosh, the dude. Oasis? Oh yeah, the bologna sandwiches Dude, and and uh, we played at the Oasis, dang. right off of Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood and Cherokee, which where later I ended up working a, at a basically rest- a mission. Yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah, and uh, do you remember after the show we couldn't get out of the parking lot because somebody had our car blocked in. <laughs> The parking lot. I may be mixing Oasis shows up here, but one of those Oasis shows that, no. we played and we're, we're in the parking lot of it and it's the parking lot of the Oasis. If you've ever been to Hollywood, Hollywood is filthy. Okay. Oh. There's nothing awesome or glamorous <laughs> it was, about it. Yeah. What was it? It was, it was downtown. It was like right by the stars and yeah. all that stuff. But it this was is, like and nasty. this is the eighties of Hollywood. So not only is it, I mean, it's gross now. But back then it was freaking nasty. And yeah. and there's just, there's porn strewn about the streets everywhere. There's vials and used condoms and vomit and broken glass. And, it, and this is, this is not in like a gutter. This is in front of <laughs> Roman's Chinese theater or whatever. Yeah, it's right, like right, right. And all the tourist spots. Um, they had a cool punk shop there. And just nobody. Yeah. Poser. Yeah. We used to go there. <laughs> But what nobody knew was how gnarly Hollywood was. And we got down there and we're playing this show. And uh, this may have been one of the later shows that we did with that group of people. But it was at the Oasis for sure. We're stuck in the back parking lot because someone has parked behind our vehicles and is at Denny's down the street. (laughs) So we're out there waiting to leave. And I remember Zane Griggs was with us. All these like street punks came down down the alley towards Uh us and i swear dude they sounded like 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 it was gnarly 
creepy. It's the middle of the night. It's these are kids dark. from Madeira. Little kids from Madeira, from Madeira stuck Ranchos. behind this thing, and there's like full on street punks who have blood on their shirts. Oh, and, yeah. You know what I mean? Needle tracks. Yeah, and, and, and they're the not. Deal. They're, this is not like a. This is not the punks from from Quincy. Okay, these were real ones. They they started to come towards us, and everyone was getting kind of nervous. And we all held hands and prayed. That is a fact. Held wow. hands and prayed, and they stopped right where they were, turned around, and walked back. And maybe it was a supernatural intervention, or maybe they were just totally freaked out by a bunch of people holding hands. But I will never forget that moment as being wow. like, dude, I wish this I could is remember gnarly. That. Spiritual warfare. So we started going down there. We're <laughs> hanging out with Biker James. We're doing the, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that very first show. I was so at, at uh, Set Free, you know, when Out of Step oh, Ministries. Yeah. And we had seen the flyers of the kid with the Liberty Spike Mohawk carrying a cross. And, you know, oh, Biker yeah. James is calling us and wanting us to come and play. And we get down there and there's like a full on raging pit, just like at any punk show we'd yeah, ever was, been to. Those were but real it's, shows, man. Yeah. And it was awesome. Oh, yeah. But I remember it going from like a, like in stages. The first show was amazing, blissful. We stayed over at James's house and hung out with like, remember we met Sid and, oh, and yeah. all those dudes. Was and, it his, his house or that, that pastor, that guy? Who, Phil. Their little halfway house place. Did I don't, we stay there? I don't know. We stayed somewhere Phil. with them. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all went to dinner and stuff. And uh, like the first girl I ever saw with tattoos was down there. You know what I mean? Just like, this is crazy. This is such yeah. a new world. La, la, la. We were so fascinated with, and James was, was great to us. We'd never seen that many Christians. No. That gnarly looking before. I mean, that was all. Yeah. I mean, Fresno had pictures. <laughs> yeah. We were it. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I mean, you know, there was a few skater kids, but yeah. I mean, we were pretty much it. The second show he played down there, James came to the show and then left and it was weird. And then the third one, he booked it, but we never saw him. And that was the fateful show where Wayne, the, Wayne was with us um, and he was kind of, and, and they locked the doors and they oh, wouldn't yeah. let anyone leave. Yeah. No one leaves till Pastor Phil's done preaching. Till the gospel's preached. Yeah. You don't go out. Oh, was, that was that that was freaky. Yeah. That's when we were Wayne like was all so uh, pissed and also what scared. Is this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Is this a cult? I think it that's a, cool. Wayne came back, you know, as like road managing with us for a while and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, was, he but yeah, he was part of it. So we were cool. all freaking out because they wouldn't let him leave. He had to go to work the next morning and they wouldn't let him leave the building. Oh, yeah. We had several people there, I think, that they wouldn't let leave. But I, that wasn't long after that when Pastor James left there, right? Yeah, when yeah, James that was left. It. Yeah, he yeah. was just like, what the heck, you know? And those guys were big, dude. Oh, yeah, giant I mean, bikers. Well, now you can relate. Yeah, now all the stuff in the news right now lately about the guys <laughs> in Texas that Twin Peaks... You picture those guys with Christian yeah, uh, soldiers biker for jackets, Christ, soldiers for uh, Christ, yeah, standing their, at the front yep, door yeah. with their arms crossed. You ain't leaving till Pastor Phil talks. Oh yeah, oh, man. Okay, uh, <laughs> sure, dude. Some of those shows. I mean, that was when we first we first played with Vengeance, you know, and we could not believe that that was like a real speed metal band was playing the show oh, and yeah. stuff and. Uh, all those guys like Rich Carlstead and Cross and all of yeah. those dudes all the time. Christians rebelling over Satan's system. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, not to laugh, Rich. No, it's okay. You're He's the right. man, bro. You were the, uh, yeah, you were the man.
randoms that I remember. I don't know if you're going to remember this, and this is probably going to distort super bad on here, but we played that one. This was later, um, but in those L.A. shows, we played that show with this band, this metal band, Spectra! Spectra! Dude, I totally... Remember the dude opens up his guitar case and his hair extensions are in there? And he puts them on. And he had a mustache. And he put lipstick on with a mustache. The mustache, lipstick, makeup look was a real rough... And they had to, um, because back then all those, there were still hair bands. This is the eighties. This is before Nirvana and, you know, uh, and Jane's Addiction. Yeah. It was all Striper and they all had to have, remember Emerald was all green. Emerald. Yeah. That was uh, Roger Martin's band. You know, there was like all everyone because of the yellow and black attack. Yeah. All those colors uh, for all those metal bands. And uh, yeah, blood good was, you know, red and black and they had their little, little outfits and everything. But uh, back then, all the bands had drum cages. And that dude, <laughs> that Spectra guy, had PVC pipes and fluorescent tape all around his... Balloons. But Remember it, the little yeah. balloons? <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> For what? It was like a bounce house. <laughs> it wasn't a drum cage. None of the drums were attached to it. No, no. But you had to have a drum cage. Incredible. Oh, and then dude. they had one, they had... They had leggings. They were all wearing leggings, oh, yeah. and they were like different colored, like uh, fluorescent <laughs> colored leggings. One, you know, the couldn't s- have the same socks on. And they, they were, gosh, they were horrible. The dude. singer did not. Not only did the singer have the mustache and the lipstick and the makeup, but also the visor. He was wearing a yeah, s- like visor. a sun visor underneath his yellow extension hair. Or whatever. Oh right. my gosh, man. dude, that was hilarious. But we got we got stuck with all those bands all the time. Yeah, it was there was it was there's was nobody else. <laughs> you, well, you, I mean, yeah, there was us, there was that there was uh, there was a couple of bands. Cross was, I think, kind of done at that point. But there was a couple of bands that uh, we played with here and there. Well, when we started, when the show started moving down, you remember when most of the, the James stuff, when he was still with with out of step ministries and the whole set free thing, it was all L.A. and North north orange county like anaheim i remember mm-hmm. set free anaheim was where we played all those big shows at yeah. the very beginning but then there was the hollywood thing and then you know we played a couple of those clubs of course the infamous gazari show and all that but those are great yeah. uh when he moved down to orange county in garden grove and started doing shows at lake high continuation school in garden grove i yeah. remember we played there probably 20 times man Best it shows feels ever, like man yeah and they were amazing yeah and then oc peni was there and jumped a guy uh, out in the parking lot and it freaked everybody out but those dudes all came to the shows all the time yeah i mean dude i'm later i'm living in in, in huntington beach in the 90s and meeting dudes who used to come to those shows that was very wow odd. or uh where was this, where were we playing well when... and to note james took all that stuff in stride Oh yeah, dude. He, didn't he even, never tripped out. He never, never said like, "Nah, bro. They're just some brothers trying to blow off some steam." Yeah, that's it's all exactly good. how he was. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, not afraid at all. Not yeah. even slightly no, intimidated. Well, yeah, we were like, "What skinheads? They jumped? <laughs> Who? What?" Yeah, and he was just at least like, "I was." <laughs> he was just like, "All right, all of you, we're gonna pray right." Like it was just instantly not. A, it was cool. It was all good. Yeah, we did the two shows, and one of them was with. Scattered few, and this is you know the this country is, club. Uh, no, this was before the country club. This was okay. at 
Alan, at the time, Rommelt had the, his black power shirt on. And, uh, uh, and that was, they had the black dude playing guitar in the band. So this is before Jamie. Jamie was in oh, the band wow. when we hit, yeah. when we played, uh, country club, uh, country club. Right. And there were like skinheads in at the show, see Kylie during the show. Oh my God. And we had like the huge confrontation and randomly this guy's name came up just the other night when we were talking, Alan Kortoff was hanging out with us from Madera high school and oh, he yeah. was there. He was a giant. His name just came up last night at my mom's house because we were talking about going to that abandoned church, New Hope, with Jim Kitch out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, And he was there for that. But Alan Kortoff was at that show. I remember this. uh, And he was a giant. And he stood in the doorway and kept all those other skinheads from coming in while I had the big meeting with, with the one skinhead dude who was like their big, their, you know, leader or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What was, that was a... uh... That was a show. It was like a benefit show. There was like a few. They had a series of benefit shows. What the heck was that? Yeah, that was. Uh, I remember. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. I just. I know that when it came time to like to play shows and to really get down. If if, if James was doing something, I knew there was going to be a bunch of kids there. It was going to be legit. There yeah. would be weird things and stuff. But man, I, I, the one thing I miss about that and I didn't realize I missed it until much later was everything was way more sincere. It just was way less. Wow. Yeah. Stressful. There was nothing uh, involved regarding record labels or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, sure. We were all hoping to get record deal or something like that, but (laughs) you know, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't, it still was just for the fun of playing shows, you know? Yeah. And that was when I still loved playing. I didn't, I didn't love playing towards the end yeah you know i loved playing uh because it was just like this completely exciting dangerous unpredictable deal you know it was like another life man it really was especially coming back to madera and fresno it was like it was like living a whole nother life man i still that's i still i mean a lot of guys moved on and they like to record and they like to do studio stuff but man playing live there's just there's nothing like that yeah nothing like that coming home from one of those la shows and we were in somebody had a red van whose red van that was i don't know the first van we ever used on a tour when we the el paso show and all that Uh we were driving that van home and you just wanted to get home and see stacy your wife and i was driving as usual not well and uh I'm all over the place, you know, ADD. Oh, what's going on? What's over there? Mark, your, look ahead. Oh, cows. And I remember you going, dude, I don't want to die in early Mart. <laughs> was it early Mart or pixely or someplace like that? I am not going to die in early Mart. Uh, uh, but dude, there was no one else to, you know, there's no oh, one else to try. Man. What are you going to do? Totally remember that. Yeah. Well, we played all those shows and we start getting out to, to, to Cornerstone. And I just feel like that for sure came after the original James stuff. And yeah, yeah, when yeah, we got yeah, out there. Because that was 90, 89? We, our first show was 88 was 88. Cornerstone. Yeah. 88, right. But we had already, because I we had already played in in L.A. a few times, because I was going to try to go to my grad night from high school and then stay the night with James. He was going to pick me up on his motorcycle, and then we were going nice. to play that show. There's a there's a show that never gets mentioned, and I'm convinced that this was a major turning point for for the Crucified. We were booked to play 
Fender's Ballroom, this classic infamous club in Los Angeles with Uniform Choice, Unity, Youth of Today, and one other band. I don't remember who the other band was, but we were freaking out. We had done this the, the GBH show, and we hear about this this show. We're gonna get a chance to play with bands that we have their records. You know what I mean? Like, right. This is like legit. And the Fender's Ballroom burned to the ground, and we never got to play it. And holy moly, that I, was gonna. I do not remember. I'm that. pretty sure that was I was gonna stay with James, and we were gonna play that show the next night, and the and Fender's Ballroom burned to the ground. This uh, is why you do. You've got to help me remember stuff. <laughs> Well, I will say, I want to take one quick aside. It's not like we weren't doing anything in Fresno. I mean, we played yeah. here all the oh, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, did you ever not feel outside of it, though? Like, I never oh, yeah. I never felt like part of the scene at all. I, they made it very no. clear that we weren't part oh, of yeah. the scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, punk-wise, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it wasn't until we're like, we played at the, remember at uh, California State, satellite union there on the state campus yeah you know and we we I mean we had tons of people there was there a thumpasaurus yeah yeah was it the yeah. thumpasaurus and all that stuff who, and uh, who, black who, fry who, and who appeared on an album from what i remember yeah yes on my yeah we're not gonna say that no it's okay everybody talks about it and makes okay. fun of me it's all fine. good native i'm son, not gonna make I fun know. of you i did then thumpasaurus bad and yeah. black fry i mean we were i mean that was that was the deal man that's i mean we were most of the people were there to see us. They were open. Those other bands were opening yeah. up for us. Yeah, yeah. When we were younger, man, I remember. I mean, Capital Punishment was the band. Oh my gosh, dude, they're they're awesome. I mean, no, no doubt. They're that first awesome. record, dude, so great. Yeah, and, and they were. You know, if you weren't Capital Punishment, nobody really thought you were much of anything. Yeah, you know, no matter what we did. But when push you know. comes to shove, yeah, I yeah. just. I I always felt like we were outside of it and there were all these bands that we would hear about, but partially due to our own decisions. I mean, yes, we've yes. passed out flyers in front of the Dead Kennedys show. Dead Kennedys came and played in Fresno and we could could have gone in there. We were passing out flyers, but we wouldn't go in because it was, you know, secular. a secular show. And Yep, totally remember that. I remember seeing a guy there with his on the back of his leather jacket. It said, Jesus saves. And I was all, hey, dude, that's really cool, man. That's cool. He's all, yeah, that's a new Slayer album. Awesome. <laughs> Rain right. and Blood, dude, that's so killer. And I was like, what? what? You're, being, you're mocking it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the transition from like punk rock to thrash and like the crossover thing was born out of two things. You just had to play faster no matter what. I mean, it was, it was, we were born to play fast. Yeah. All we wanted to do was see how fast it could go. And right. still be songs, right? Right. And we weren't alone. I mean, that was everybody. Everybody. Yeah, yeah was that's the that's the increasingly way were you know, intensity. Yeah. And uh, the the barrier to entry for the punk scene was so like un, it was unattainable. You know, it was actually not a barrier to entry. It was just a wall. We were not allowed in. Yeah. You know, but the the thrash scene and the and the metal scene was for all their you know straight up like mocking of Christianity and upside down crosses was 100% down with us playing shows anytime, anywhere, no matter what. I don't ever remember being told by a speed metal band or a thrash band. No, we don't want that Christian band playing. That was never, I never had experienced that. Yeah. No, I've heard of them doing that, but not, that never happened to us. I mean, I've heard of that happen with other bands and stuff, but yeah, it was weird. 
Yeah. So I feel like that, you know, it was easier for us to make that transition because musically it was a practical step. But I also feel like that scene was a little more open to us and it was easier. Yeah. I mean, dude, we got on that DRI show. We got on that Pantera show. Those were big gigs for us, you know? Oh, the huge. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, well, and we were, we were, you know, we were better at yeah. that time too. I mean, I mean, we we're better than when we first started and, and we were just, I think part of it here locally, part of it was because we were better. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and, and we actually they, practiced the, and yeah. And the bands that were playing, you know, were so they were the punk bands, but they were pretty crappy. Yeah. Half you know? that should be said. I mean, capital punishment had wrapped it up. Uh, by yeah. Then they had wrapped it up by then. They were, yeah, they were done <gasps> oh, or they no. were, it was, basically done <laughs> i would have loved to yeah. play a show with that original oh the original lineup <sighs> that'd have been amazing even though dale totally screwed us that's right dale yeah i'll dale. never forget it buddy main man took didn't my understand this took our name off that flyer oh gosh can't believe you did that anyway yeah. sorry uh the fresno scene was so interesting to me because we were like this perfect location between la and san francisco we got some really good bands in this town mm-hmm. especially yeah. if you think about now how hard it is to get good shows yeah i mean at that time at that era yeah you're, oh, yeah. you're yeah. playing with with bands you know slayer is coming and doing a show at the same place we just played and sold out with when we did a split with let's go bowling remember that we played yeah. with let's go bowling yeah um danzig was here sold it out i mean those were huge shows that were hard oh, to yeah. get for people and we crushed them and i I think that the Pantera show is at least worth reliving because it was it was epic. And it was like the first time where I felt like a real band outside of our little world said, dude, you guys are pretty good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I sat with Phil for, I don't know how long talking with that guy. Yeah. That's a whole, uh, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. <laughs> None, nobody else was privy to it except the two of you. We just so. sat in this room and taught in, in, in one of those weird, remember all those backstage rooms at yeah, the Wilson? Yeah. Uh, we sat in there and talked about how much he loved minor threat and black flag, especially black flag. But then I re I remember him walking me up to the soundboard before the set and telling the sound guy while I was standing there, this is Mark. He's from the band that's opening tonight, The Crucified. If you don't give him the same sound that you give us, you'll be fired. And, <laughs> and it was just like that, like gnarly. And I was like, you really didn't have to do that, guy. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, like, you know, super embarrassed or whatever. So that's all great and stuff. But then we got down there and we're playing. And dude, I look over to the side of the stage and that whole freaking band is sitting there watching us play. Yeah. It was awesome, man. You know that those how many how many opening bands did those guys stay to watch? Not you know? very many. I know we didn't stay for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but hey, you know that's a whole nother. There's thing. a reason for that. But yeah, remember they rolled up. We were we were waiting outside to get in oh, that man. day of the gig, and they rolled up because they told us you can only come in at a certain time. But uh-huh. they rolled up in their tour bus. Man, they were intimidating to me at least at first. But they were some of the they were super cool yeah you're right that was so nice more to than us. like like dri we never even then, saw them nope. didn't want to talk no to interaction us. yeah nothing gbh though was was also super yeah. cool very yeah. nice the accused cool at that same show were yeah, super nice <laughs> i you should yeah. listen to this to the show with billy uh i go over that show with him man it was oh, pretty yeah. fun reminiscing about that thing oh man i'll never forget that feeling man we play that first song. I'll repeat it on his thing. People have heard it already, but 
We played that first song. It's GVH. This is like the biggest band we've ever played with at this point. And we drove all the way to Arizona to do this show. Eight hour drive, nine hour drive. And there's like, it is packed. I mean, six, 700 people. Three. In a 500 person capacity. (laughs) There were three massive gangs in representation at that show. And we got on stage and no one knew what to think about us. But of course they all knew we were a Christian band. They always did. And we played the first song and it was dead silent after the first song was over. And then that one dude goes, not fucking bad. And then it was on dude. It was all the rest of the show was great. And it was freaking great. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was such a like, remember them in the bathroom. They were like, we were in the bathroom. They come out, dude, we're ready. We could start a gang, man. What we could do? You guys could be the, you know, uh, could, they, yeah. were, they, they were ready to go. It was like SVS, Sun Valley Skins. They wanted us to be their little uh, anthem players or <laughs> yeah. something. Like, uh. Here's a side note. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I was waiting to talk to you about this. Uh-oh. After that show. No, it's funny, man. <laughs> because this shows where my brain was at and where yours was at. Uh, after that show, we're all hanging out and we're just sitting at some tables. And um, there's a couple really cute girls there. At the Denny's? Uh, or, no, or this is just still at the venue. Oh, at the venue. We haven't okay. even left the prism yet. And we're like, we're pl- prism? I think it was what it was I called. I think it was a prism, yeah. And yeah. so we're, we're sitting at these tables and there's these girls in there. And uh, one of them was really pretty. I remember us all talking to her and not sure if, you know, can you talk to a girl? Oh, you know, because we're still <laughs> like not, you know. And, uh, I was still responsible for everybody. Yeah, right? Jim's still uh, parenting Dead us. Parenting, and, yeah. And uh, for whatever, I'm not sure how, but it got up to the subject that she had a car with a Jesus fish. Yes, yes. On the back, I totally remember that. And you're all, you're all, Mark. Do you know what's on the back of that girl's car? And I'm like, what? And she goes, This is so embarrassing. She goes, Oh yeah, my mom put a there's a Jesus fish on there. And I was like whoa and jim goes mark what do you ask her next <laughs> uh, and i go you want it on a are date? you single <laughs> <laughs> and you're like no dude are you a christian what the heck's wrong with you and she's like no no my mom put it on there for good luck or yeah, something so to protect her from I was or so to help her from uh, getting speed tickets or some kind first of thing on like my that. mind girl christian punk show uh, that's go I, out with, go out with, you know, that's how I met my wife. So <laughs> I was, what's the talk. first thing you ask her, Mark? Uh, are you uh, single? Uh, <laughs> knuckle drag <laughs> meat grog. Anyway. Yeah. Those yeah, were, were, you were those a human were, boy. So that's, it's, it's all good. You know, it's interesting, man, that that will come up later. Um, because one of the interviews I'm hoping to do this summer is Thomas Niski and that same mentality that I had to learn the hard way later bit me in the tail because I didn't know how to operate after that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was interesting, man.
so during that time, the band is increasing. And obviously, you know, I'm in an identity crisis. I'm... You're finding yourself, yeah. No, I was losing myself. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're losing yourself. And I was making that... I made that Native Sun record. It's just so bad. And I, Dude, it was not bad. I had no... But whatever. It was really bad. No. And I had no perspective on life. But that was just me. Now, everybody knows that Stave Zaker... Or Stave Zaker, sorry. That the Crucified broke up shortly after that, you know? Dude... Why do you always say stage eight instead of the crucified? Shut up. That's bullcrap. This so, this interview's over. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. This is what I one thing I remember. I'm mean, gonna get into the, the spiritual side of it in a second, but I was down south recording that record, um, mm-hmm. staying at that dude's house. There's people doing drugs all over the place at that guy's at Pat Glasser's. He was my DJ for that record. Oh. And okay. I was I was staying at that dude's house in San Fernando Valley, and it was just. It was horrible, dude. It was one of the worst experiences ever because I it was my first time out of our little fold. Right. And I'm tracking not only with not someone not from our fold, but not in by any means the same spirituality, not Christian in any way, shape, or form. Nothing not in even common. moral. <laughs> not yeah. yeah. And he was going out to to because that was like the early nineties, so raves were huge. So he'd be gone like every night come back at like five or six in the morning, you know, completely spun out on whatever drugs and everybody in there smoking pot. And I'm just literally just sitting there hoping that my record will get worked on, you know? Wow. And be like, we'd, we'd sit in there and he would spin house music for three hours. And then we'd work on like my record for like half an hour. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing. So I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to go well, but I was still so convinced that anything I did was going to be fine. Hmm. I re- I came home or I came back to his house one night while we were tracking it. And there were people like having the loudest, most gnarly sex in the next room. And I, I was so hmm. uncomfortable and nervous and I just yeah. wanted to go home, you know? Yeah. But I was still so like, I was so pot committed at that point. You know what I mean? Right. I shoved in the chips anyway. Crucified. So I didn't know all that. So that oh, dude, it was. There's a lot more to that than just I was wearing uh, overalls. That's oh, crazy. I wore overalls, and all those dudes wore overalls, and everybody acts like they weren't, but they were. All those I Black Friday dudes were wearing overalls. Every one of them dudes that I was hanging out with was wearing them. Anyway, we had a show. Crucified had a show book. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to go meet you guys. It was in Dana Point. I remember. And uh, I got down there. Of all the things I remember. Really? You remember this thing? I remember you showing up, yeah. I was late. I mean, and it, it was... At Aunt Jemima. On. Oh, yeah. I had, you know, I was, do, I was in my thing. And uh, I got there. We got on stage. And I hadn't practiced with you guys. Like, we used to practice two, three times a week, mm-hmm. you know? And before shows, it was always like two or three rehearsals before we went out and played yeah. the show. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and I haven't seen you dudes in like a month. And we get to the show, and I had all this other stuff in my head. Dude, I couldn't remember half the songs. You're forgetting lyrics and stuff, yeah. So I'm like, I'm lost on stage. It's just a disaster. I remember that. And everyone was mad. <laughs> a little bit. You know? And I think shortly after that, I mean, the band, you know, I, I shortly after that, I, I had to get out of Fresno because I had burned every bridge possible. Mm. And then I was in, in Los Angeles, and, you know, two, three months later... I got the phone call from you, like the band's brand's breaking up. Yeah. You know, it's over. And, right, uh, right. You know, it's interesting, man. I, 
I got home and uh, whenever I would get home to that apartment, because I was, dude, I was so utterly alone in there. And I was lost. Your apartment here? In My town? apartment in, in, oh, in LA. I had moved and I was yeah. gone. And Is that when you were staying at Nixon's, uh, Gary Nixon's? Yeah. Our managers. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Okay. That was, uh, he was managing Crucified at the time and his wife was managing the apartment. The apartment. She got okay, me, right, she got right. me a room there. So, or got me an apartment there. So I, but I had no money and I had nothing. Uh, I had a wait, a window washing job and every day I would come home and, check and see i didn't have a tv i didn't have anything i had a a phone and an answering machine and every time i came home the first thing i would do is check and see if i had any messages because i was so lonely dude i mean i just i literally i'd fall asleep in the shower and she it was it was gnarly and uh i come home and i'd I'd push the button if there's i'd see the little one or two or whatever on there and uh time after time hit that thing if you'd like to make a call, please hang no. up and, the worst and try ever, again. Right? And it was like no message. And it would just be like, dude, nobody wants to talk to me. And then one day I come home and push the button expecting the do, do, do. And it's you. And it's, Hey man, you know, and I don't know, you'd probably tried to get a hold of me, but it was probably also really weighing on you that you needed to say it, you know? Yeah. But on the message I get, it's over, you know, we're done. <sighs> Golly. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, I've, I never, we've never really talked about it too much, you know? Um, we haven't together. No. Really. It's kind of always been the elephant in the room, you know, type yeah. of thing where like we all knew it happened, but I don't even really know where you guys all were all at. How did you guys felt? How did you feel when I, when I did that? Oh, uh, just like a, I, uh, just a pit in my stomach, yeah. but it wasn't, it, I don't think it was what you think. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, t- I told that story just now for first for a reason, because the backstory of all that is how we got there. I mean, even before I yeah. moved, before before I was living with Danny and Stacy and just completely ruining their lives. You know, I mean, I was a freeloading bum. You told me to my face, dude, you owe a lot of people money, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, because I just I, I had never worked. I lazed about. You know, I washed a couple windows here and there so I could make a little extra money, but I didn't pay any bills. I was late with my rent every single month, $200 yeah. rent, constantly in jeopardy of losing my car insurance, you know, and a mess. I mean, sleeping with my girlfriend, um, chasing broads all over town. You know, I had been a, I had been a virgin up until I was 21 years old and then just broke that edge right off, you know? Yeah. And so I had all this guilt in my in my head and the meantime we keep going like i remember bruce our pastor at the time came to the house and prayed with us yeah and uh wasn't wasn't what wasn't what i thought it was not what i was hoping for it was right before the tour we were going on tour i think and we were hoping for a prayer for the road and it was like what is happening what are you doing you know i mean it's basically gotta do whatever you can to to uh end this end this yeah if you want it <laughs> you know yeah that came as a shock and i know it really hurt jeff that that prayer meeting um for me it just made me dig in and be defensive and think just another person thinks what we're doing is because you know i got my whole baggage from me and my my childhood and right, right. you know I, I was ready to to fight back at anything like that anyway so 
I'm talking all this because I'm expecting you to respond in like. So I'm setting you up Not here. I just I, don't I know w- what you're talking about. I kind of yeah. want to. I mean, when you called, what what what? Get me there. Get me there. What was going on, man? Uh, I actually I was getting conversations from uh your dad, mm. um, and Bruce about you know what are you guys doing? You know. You're supposed to be your Christian band, your ministry, and what are you doing? How do you look at how you're living your lives and whatnot? And and at the time, uh, I didn't even know the half of it. Mm. You know, I didn't know really know what was going on with you, and or Greg or Jeff. I mean, all I, my whole focus was to make sure the outside was nice and clean, and <laughs> so we could keep up appearances and and still do what I love to do. You know, mm. which I didn't think at the time. At the time, I thought I was being spiritual leader, but I was more being a, a hypocrite more than anything. But anyway, so yeah, we, uh, I, they, 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 I just felt a lot of pressure. It's like, cause I, I just thought, man, we're not, I don't know. I didn't even really know now that I think of it. I mean, I couldn't put my finger on it. Like what I sensed something was a little different, you know, cause Greg was down South doing stuff. You were down there. Mm-hmm. Maybe I felt like I was out of control. I didn't. I was like literally didn't have control of everybody anymore. So mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. When I didn't even really know anything. But it was when you know Greg happened to have his first child. Um, that it was like okay, you know this is maybe we can make this work if we don't do it with Greg. And <laughs> uh, it was after that that I got those talks about you know dude this. You need to end this. That that was just the tip of the iceberg. That means there's something more going on. That was just the the uh, the consequences of the lives that are being lived. So, yeah, at the time I felt super convicted, and you know, probably rightfully so. I mean, I mean, God knows, I don't know. Mm. You know, I know. I think all four of us had our own problems. Yeah, except for Jeff. <laughs> uh, right, Jeff. I love right, you, bro. Jeff. Right, Baloo? You're the man. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> you know, teasing, dude. I, Just I, I, didn't, I didn't see my own issues at the time, you know, until a lot later, mm. which we had actually, Mark and I actually, we got to have a great conversation about that. I remember one time driving me, driving home down south and me calling you and stuff and just. Yeah, that was a, that was that a was big crazy. Uh, well, the interesting thing that I want to say one thing here is, is that when, when you finally made that call. Not once at that point was I mad at you in any way. And the pit okay. in my stomach was less, oh no, it's over, and more, oh no, the truth finally came out. Mm. Like the chickens came home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like, I don't, that's the thing. I, I mean, you were married at the time. You know, how old was Nico? Four, maybe three. Maybe, yeah, he was pretty young, yeah. I, I can't have been easy for you, especially with me and Greg being so far away and not really even being in the loop, you know what I mean? It wasn't It wasn't bad for me. I mean, as far as, you mean as far as just getting things done and being no, a as, part of it? No, as far as ta- ta- addressing the, the what was wrong, getting oh, to the yeah. bottom of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like I say, I felt like I I didn't have control anymore. I couldn't. Everybody was so far scattered out that I didn't, I couldn't watch their backs. I couldn't, you know, <laughs> hmm. um, you know, in a daddy's, in a daddy sense, you know, 
which uh, is another story of how, you know, I think a lot of that, in my mind, I feel like a lot of that babying and and, and uh, finger pointing and stuff kind of pushed you guys away. So maybe the dark things you were experiencing or the problems Greg was going through, nobody would talk to me about it because yeah. they didn't want to get the speech, you know. Dude, what do you do? We're in a band, dude. There's a Christian <laughs> ministry, dude. Don't tell... I can't believe that. What are you doing? With all the grace and passion of Jesus Yeah, but himself. the thing that measures with that, the, 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 the real jam up of that is the pure and unadulterated knowledge that that would be totally accurate. Like the way you Maybe are so, living yeah. is wrong. Right. I right. knew the way I was living was wrong. There was no doubt in my mind. Right, right. You know, but I also, I just think, you know, for not to blaming anybody, honestly, because we're all just like walking the path, dude. And, you know, yeah. to learn more about grace later. Mm, yeah. Was kind of a refreshing Move. How's your back? Are you hurting? No, my legs fall asleep. <laughs> and I gotta pee. Ah, yes. Jim Chaffin. And we've only just begun. Ladies and gents, thank you for listening. Part two of my talk will be up next week. Jim and I will get to the good stuff. If you think you know the story after what you just heard, you got another thing coming. Part two is powerful. It's crushing, but ultimately, I think it's beautiful, and I can't wait for you to hear it. The songs you heard tonight were little snippets of GVH's I Am The Hunted, Minor Threats, Betray, one of the greatest songs ever written in the history of all songs, and Dead Kennedy's Holiday in Cambodia, also up there. And the extremely terrifying song was Poke Me With A Fork, I'm Done. By Fresno's own Capital Punishment from the album When Push Comes to Shove. Amazing, amazing band. Uh, let's see. Also, God Rules by Undercover and I Want to Be a Clone by Steve Taylor. Listen, I still love those songs. I was just trying to get a little context, y'all. Don't get weird on me. By the way, I Want to Be a Clone is kind of the way I met Jim in a weird, bizarre turnaround. Okay. You heard from my old band, The Crucified. That was the intro slash hate world from the Pillars of Humanity album. Uh, Your image from way back a million years ago. Uh, Crucial moment and straining life. All the other music you heard tonight is from my newest band, White Lighter, and our self-titled album, which you can find on Northern Records right now. White Lighter. This show was produced by Billy Power of the Urban Achiever podcast and his own bad self. This episode and all previous episodes of Never Was can be found at ineverwas.com or on iTunes, where you can find Billy's Urban Achiever show as well. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks again to Jamie, Aaron, and Joshua for the Patreon love, and thanks to Jim for being Jim. Catch you next week. Rainbow out. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try your call again. If you need help, Hang up and then dial your operator. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try your call again. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try your call again. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator.